Assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings. Welcome to another episode of Maintain Your Islamic Identity and Still Be a Boss Muslim Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Halima de Oliveira of BUNHD, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Yusuf Kroma. Women often appear to suffer from the misconception that to be successful in business or accepted in society, they have to diminish or denounce their faith or beliefs. As a business coach, I have encountered women cross-culturally who face internal conflict regarding their religious identity, maintaining their family roles, and being their most authentic selves. I developed this podcast to help guide them back to reclaiming their faith, better define their Islamic roles so they can own their identity, live their absolute best life, and be a powerhouse in business. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, Yusuf. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I am very well. How are you? I'm fantastic, alhamdulillah. Um, So today's topic is a man's perspective of hijab in the corporate arena. But before Mm -hmm. we get into the topic, um, can you just please tell us a little bit more about yourself? You have like the most dynamic life, alhamdulillah. So, you know, I I see the book and this is not your first book um, you have written. Um, I see there's another book that you have written. You're also a TV host, um, you know, for Huda TV. And you're just doing a lot of great things for the community, not only where you are abroad, like I'm so jealous right now, okay? (laughs) I so wish I was over there in, in some sun there, but alhamdulillah. So just, yeah. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, my name is Yusuf Kroma. I was uh, born and raised in Philadelphia, but I'm actually a West African native from uh, Liberia and Guinea. Uh, I was born and raised Muslim, alhamdulillah. I went to Al-Aqsa Islamic Academy in Northeast Philly for high school, and I went to LaSalle University. I majored in leadership and global understanding. But uh, it was always my intention to you know, learn Islamic studies. So I really did secular studies to kind of make my parents happy and sort of like uh, ground myself, uh, you know, mature a little bit more. And then I decided to follow my dreams and come to move to Egypt to study Sharia and Islamic studies in Azhar University. So I'm currently in the process of doing that. At the same time, I'm trying to author books, uh, you know, you uh, prepare youth programs and things of this nature. And I'm also a clothing designer as well. So I manufacture and design clothing, men's and women's suits out of Egypt, bespoke uh, made-to-measure suits, and I ship to Europe and America. So alhamdulillah, like I'm currently wearing a lot of hats right now, but I'm living my dreams, you know, living my best life, as I, as I often say. Alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillah, and you know, what I really love... And and this is what I try to, you know, help to convey to the listeners. So we have male and female listeners, um, Muslim and non-Muslim alike. And what I work to convey with them is that you don't have to give up your religious identity, whether you're Muslim or not, to be able to pursue these things. You can do all of this. And still, 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 you know, um, you know, be in full faith, you know, prayers every day. Like literally, I schedule my day around prayer time. Literally, you know, this interview is going to end right before it's time for Dohur. And, you know, my first call of the day is, is, is you know what I mean? It's just, it's after Fajr. And, and I just, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, before when I was, you know, not as 
adherent to my faith, I would say, is, you know, it was like the day and then, okay, how do I fit my Islam or how do I fit my prayers into the day? And now it's just not like that. So I'm so happy to hear that there are a lot of us that are out there that are working within our faith and doing some really amazing things. So mashallah, may Allah continue to guide, bless, um, you know, and reward you on this side and inshallah in the akhirah as well. Amen. 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 Okay, so um, what I wanted to get really into is what is your take on women's role in Islam? Uh, Subhanallah. Uh, Just I don't even know where to begin on this subject. Uh, (laughs) You know, this I mean, just the the coming. Let's begin with the advent of Islam. And prior Mm -hmm. to, you know, the the arrival of uh, the Nubuwa of the Prophet Muhammad in Mecca and in the world, what was the status of women? You say that, saw that the women ha- didn't have any rights. They were, you know, men that would have, say, 30 wives and uh, sort of abuse them. They were burying their daughters alive. It was something as an aib, as a, a sort of disgrace for someone to bear a daughter. Women were so slaves. They were abused. They, they didn't inherit anything. So there were so many injustices that, were, that was happening worldwide. And then here comes the Prophet Muhammad with this sort of... Uh, what what we seem to want to achieve by feminism and these other things, but, you know, sort of uh, giving justice to the woman, you know, raising them, elevating them in society, giving their rights, preserving them, protecting them, you know, really sort of like uh, totally changing the perspective of the woman in Al-Islam. And it gave them their rights. It talks about the, 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 the sort of relationship that one should have with their mother. So in such a hadith where the Prophet was asked, who is the person that deserves your suhbah, your companionship most? And he said, your mother. And he asked them three times. He said, your mother, your mother, and then your father. Such mm-hmm. as the greatest female scholar that ever existed at Islam was Aisha, the wife of the Prophet Muhammad Such as that the Quran, you know, would mention the rights and things of this nature about women in Islam. So the status of women in Islam is great. And if you want to know the true status, you look at the word ummah, you look at the word nation. And the mm-hmm. basis of the word umma is um. You can't Mashallah. have a, a mother without the um. So Mashallah. if you want to understand the status of woman, there is no society without a woman. There is no there no functionality without a woman. If you want to see the degree, the success of a society, then you must look at the degree that they hold their woman to. Mashallah. I so appreciate you for going in like that. That is mashallah. Let me tell you, I have had uh, so many women on the podcast so far and they, if they were listening, they would be sitting here like applauding you, like, especially with Ummah and just taking the, Oh man, mashallah. Um, I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, so as you were speaking, it reminded me of one of the verses in Surah Nisa which is, uh, it's verse 32, which encourages women to use her potential to the benefit of herself and as an individual and for the benefit of the Muslim society as a whole. So um, based on what you just said, um, you know, like she is, you know, elevated in, you know, Islam, a woman is elevated in Islam. And of course, there's no society without her. So what do you feel about that particular, um, you know, verse in the Quran? And uh, did you mention the verse? Could you mention it? Which one are you talking about? Yes, it's verse 32. Verse 32. So um, it, I can read it out to you. Hold on one second. Let me find it for you. I have the Quran next to me. 
So basically it's just talking about, you know, the woman's share and it's talking about what, what, um, she has earned. And so it says, do, and do not wish for that, which Allah has made some of you exceed others for men is a share of what they have earned. And for women is a share of what they have earned and ask Mm -hmm. Allah of his bounty. And indeed Allah is ever of all things knowing. So basically it's just talking about like, um, you know, just encouraging her to, of course, benefit herself um, as an individual, but also the benefit that she brings to society as a whole. Yeah, see, that's the beauty of the Quran, which is uh, it brings about hikmah. And hikmah mm-hmm. linguistically, it means to put things in its proper perspective. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about these things, it's talking about the status of the woman, like her being in her womanhood, and it's in, in, in its own perfection, not having to say, I want to be a man, I want to be like a man or be equal, but it's perfection in being who she is as she is. And that's perfect, you know, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created her, not having to want to be something other than she really is, other than her natural state. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created her perfect and how he wanted her to be and with certain characteristics that embellishes her, that makes her beautiful. And it's about balance and about putting things in its right perspective. So I believe that this is, you know, some of the wisdoms that can be taken from this ayah itself. Very true. You know, um, you know, I, this, this part here may be controversial and you don't necessarily have to answer this here. I'll take the heat for this one. But, uh-huh. you know, in researching this topic, one of the things that came up was just talking about the different jobs that a Muslim woman should, you know, possibly take a look at. And, you know, you know, jobs that don't necessarily put her in danger. And just speaking of that particular piece, you know, um, a job that, you know, speaks to her talents as a woman, it's, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that, Hey, a woman can't do any job. She can do anything that she puts her mind to, but as a Muslim woman, how do you want to be presented? You know, how do you want to be represented? And so, you know, it's just being mindful of those things. So I'm not telling a woman what job to have or not to have, but just always being mindful. And I do like that you use the word hikmah and just order. And, you know, in Christianity, you know, they talk about, you know, God being the God of divine order. It's the same in Islam. And, you know, just, just, just following that order, like, you know, Allah, you know, essentially made the male the provider because he can go out and pretty much do any job and, Mm -hmm. you know, without, you know, there being a barrier. Whereas a woman, you know, there may be some things that are uh, a barrier for her, either physical strength or just she may be in danger being in that particular, particular job. So I did tread a little bit, a little bit lightly, lightly there. I don't want to make anybody mad. Okay. So, say that again. So we don't want to bring the protesters out. No, we do not. We do not. We want to. You know, we're we're in we're in peace mode here. Peace. So, do you feel that her being a boss Muslimapreneur? So when you think of boss and you just think of this boss woman that's just out there conquering the world, out there being bold and and just amazing. Do you think that the way that we've talked about? you know, the, her role in Islam or a woman's role in, in Islam. Do you feel that that gets in the way of her being this boss woman? 
um, you know, one of the very first episodes, I believe it was the second one, I apologize. I talked about Khadija radiallahu anha, and you will have a big argument about, wait a minute, Khadija radiallahu anha, she was this amazing businesswoman, and, and she's the reason why XYZ happened, and, and you'll have that as, as, as an argument. But do you feel that that boss, you know, does, does her actual role or the role that, you know, as it's spelled out for her, does it get in the way of her being that boss woman? I think it, it depends on how we qualify the term boss woman. What does that look like? It varies from person to person, from business to mm-hmm. business, from speciality to speciality. I think that the most important thing is that we have an Islamic framework, uh, according to the Quran and Sunnah. And, you know, we have the, uh, the the scholars to sort of guide us along that track. Now, we have this framework to work inside of. Now, if being a boss woman, being a boss Muslima fits inside of this framework, that best, no problem. You know, where is the religion is free. It's I No need to make something tight that Allah made open for us. But if it doesn't, if being a boss lady, you know, sort of infringes upon the Quran and Sunnah, this is when you begin to have a, a, a dilemma. Like today we studied uh, tafsir and it was taught in an ayah that, that said that, Ya yuhaladina amanu, whenever Allah and his messenger agree to something, you shouldn't have an extra opinion about it. You know, it shouldn't mm. be, something, you know, a third. If Allah and his messenger says something, it shouldn't, oh, well, this is how I feel about it. So I'm going to do my thing. You know, I'm going to do me. This, uh, mm-hmm. this idea, me. Being a Muslim, being a Muslim comes first before anything yes. else. So, you know, that, so it's really, is being a, a Muslima boss, not a boss Muslima, because being a Muslima comes before being a boss. Mashallah. You know, your boss sort of, you know, it, uh, it be your bossness, it sort of should, uh, beautify, you know, you being a Muslim, because it's an adapt to everything. And really, the beauty of this is that, uh, if you, like in Islam, the concept of ihsan, of perfection, we do everything mm-hmm. with perfection. So if you are being a Muslima boss, not only will you receive the 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 reward of doing that, uh, uh, whatever it is you're seeking, financial success, uh, you know, worldly success, whatever you're looking for, but you will also get barakah. If you're waking mm-hmm. up in the morning with the niyyah of, I'm going to provide for myself and my family, which is sunnah if you're a married woman or if you're not, I'm going to provide for myself, but I'm going to do so in a manner that's pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will receive the dunya and the akhirah because you're receiving ajr, you're receiving barakah. Because mm-hmm. you know Allah allows us to do these things, so you know if, if if everything you do is from the concept of I am doing this to be pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Allah will put barakah in your work. He will give you worldly success, and you will find reward waiting for you in the akhirah, and vice versa. If you operate with this mindset of I'm going to do me, and if it falls in line with Islam or not, you know that that wherever the the chips fall, it may. You won't find any barakah in your work. Even if you have money, you won't find barakah. You won't find blessing in it. You'll have your worldly things, your house, your car, but you won't find sa'ada. You won't find happiness in it. You, it they Absolutely. won't sustain you because Allah is the one. He says, uh, Is there any reward for good except good? So if you do good, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you with good. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite. Um sayings. I believe I mentioned that a little bit ago um, with uh, sister, uh, what was her name? 
uh, with Sister Susie Ismail. We talked about that in a previous episode and um, she talked about all of them. She talked about, you know, Islam and she definitely touched on Ihsan and she talked about us being cognizant of that first. And so I love that you put that, you know, being, you know, Muslim, you know, is, is should come first and then everything else is secondary. And, you know, and it's always every day. And I like that you talked about waking up every day. So literally every day it's reconnecting. So we can, you know, read, you know, motivational books and they talk about, you know, um, your intention and they talk about, you know, your affirmations every day. These can be become our intention and our affirmation every day is our intention to, you know, make the money or is our intention to, uh, you know, make the money so that we can provide for our family or make the money so that we can benefit um, our, you know, the ummah or, you know, the Muslim society. And so, you know, one of the premises of this podcast is just that it's just owning your Islamic identity and, and adhering to that first and then everything, everything else. And please, you know, lay on us some more of the, the Quran and the Sunnah. You know, another goal of the podcast is for Muslims who are listening in for them to pick up the Quran and read these ayats um, for themselves or look for the hadith themselves. And also for any of the non-Muslim listeners that we have for them to go ahead and, and inquire about it and study it and go look for it. The Quran is not a secret. Um, you can buy the Quran anywhere. You can get the Quran for free, um, you know, at any local masjid. So, you know, just, you know, expanding your knowledge. So I really appreciate you for shedding the light um, in the way that you did. And you know, what would be, yes. Yeah. Their sister, this is a quick point. Uh, yes. In my own personal life as a you know, someone who's uh, ascertain you seeking to be a, a student of knowledge and mm-hmm. also a businessman at the same time. Like, really, all of the answers in my business, like my businessman, I don't have read say books of Tony Robbins and all the other people. I read yes. the Quran. I find a business module within the Quran and a Sunnah. Mm-hmm. For example, just yesterday morning, I was waiting on a business order uh, for order. You know, for a significant amount of money, and because mm-hmm. of this order, because we have a six hour difference. I was yes. waiting for money to, you know, for the or the person to send the money in my account. So for this reason, I was up early in the morning, waiting up all night, waiting for the order. To- <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, Allah. Okay. Right? So I don't, I don't, I don't miss the hajjah. I don't miss my family waiting for this money. And then Fajr comes in, right? Oh, so Allah. I don't want to go leave out the house and then, you know. Miss and then miss the opportunity for this business to come. So I said, you know, I'm gonna pray Fudger in the house, right? So now I'm delaying Fudger, delaying it. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and pray. Well, mm-hmm. as soon as I got done praying Fudger, the money arrived. Ping, like, ping, ping, right? ping. And what was the lesson? Subhanallah, the lesson is that if you delay what Allah commanded you to do, Allah would delay your risk. He would delay your sustenance. Ooh. If you if you want to be married and you're delaying what Allah commanded you to do, Allah would de- delay your spouse. You know, like Allah will, you know, and if you speed, if you hurriedly do what Allah commands you to do, he will hurriedly meet you with barakah. So Allah is mm. razak. You know, yes. so you, are you doing what is beloved to Allah? He's not going to punish you for that. You know, you're not going to miss out on anything when razak is the one who's providing for you. So that was a good lesson in that. If you use the Quran and Sunnah as a business manual, man, the money, the 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 risk, the things that you imagine you're going to receive, you'll get even 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 better than that. Mashallah, that 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 was the gem right there. We can end the call now. I don't even need to ask yeah. the last two questions. That that's the you dropped it right there. 
<laughs> a business model is in the Quran. It is. I mean, Mashallah. even like some people that complain, like, oh man, I'm broke. I don't have, you know, any money. And this hadith where the Prophet some talks about a surah, surah al-waqiyah. If you read it every night, he promised us that Allah will never bring poverty upon you. So when I meet people that say, oh, I'm struggling in my fears, like, did you read surah al-waqiyah? Did you ask Allah on the last Thursday of the nights? No, I didn't. Then you really don't. Right. That's you don't. And you, you know, and, and what, uh, you know, and, and, you know, not to cut you off, but just to talk about tahajjid. Like literally, you know, it's a part of my practice. It, it is a part of my prayer. It's not, it, it, and, and the more that you do it, the, you know, and I don't, I don't, I want to use the word burden very, very lightly because this prayer is not a burden, but mm-hmm. that, that getting up is no longer a chore. It's no longer hard. Allah wakes you up. That's right. It's easy. I promise you three o'clock comes. I look at the, you know, the clock three o'clock comes. It's an immediate thing. And I wake up immediate. It's not a chore to, to, to wake up. You know, when you get out of the habit of it, Oh, it's a chore trying to come back. But once your, your, your sincerity is there, your intention is there. He just does it for you. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah. So it's just, it's just about, you know, he, he loves consistency and he will reward that consistency with good. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, our- subhanAllah. So um, what is your advice for women working in the corporate arena? So just to, to set up, you know, kind of the, the, the prelude to that question, it's actually, uh, you know, kind of a loaded question. So mm-hmm. right now what uh, we're, we're going through a lot as far as Muslim women are concerned, and we've been going through a lot for a long time, but particularly now in, in the political climate that we're in, et cetera, which is why I love the name of your book. So we're going to talk about that a little bit um, later, but the name of the book is Woke in Wake of the Wide Awakening, and it's still a pre-order, correct? It's not out yet. No, it's out. It's out, yeah. It is out. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So um, you guys can go ahead and get that and I'll let you um, give them the, the information um, on how to order the book. But what we're living in right now, you know, the climate that we're living in, um, basically, um, I, I looked this, you know, this particular part up and I'm actually studying this for another project that I'm working on. But according to a report by Thompson Reuters, um, Muslim consumers spending on food and lifestyle products and, and services um, was estimated at $1.8 trillion globally in 2014. And it's mm-hmm. expected to reach $2.6 trillion in 2020. And 50% of the, the, you know, the new Muslim startups are run by women. So basically what this means is that there, two things are going to happen. There's going to be a large influx of women going into entrepreneurship, and there's going to be a large influx of women just going into business, period. Um, you know, going into, you know, you know, new careers and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's how, how is the world preparing for that? Um, you know, and I have been on, you know, in different rooms talking about diversity and inclusion, et cetera, et cetera. And I was the only Muslim covered woman in the, at the table, I want to say. So when I say, what is your advice for these women working in the, the, the corporate arena? How do they kind of start preparing themselves for, um, you know, what's to come? You know, some of these, some of the Muslim women are not covered. Some of them are. How do they prepare themselves? Yeah, I, I say that the most important thing is one of our teachers said. He said, uh, 
mm-hmm. that knowledge mm-hmm. precedes speech and action. And the word he said uses the amal, so you can say work as well. So mm-hmm. he said that uh, before you do anything, before you say anything, before you act, you should have a knowledge of what you're doing. So a knowledge of what? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me? What is required of me? How do I get into this business? If I'm making this money, how do I pay zakat upon it? What's haram? What's, uh, what's permissible? What's yajus? What's mustahab? What's beloved? What's, you know, how, so to know all of these things from an Islamic perspective, you know, so that I can save myself from the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the curse of Allah, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taking the barakah, taking the light outside of my business. You know, if I want to be blessed, if I want to be in a state of blessing, what do I need to do to have the acceptance of Allah? So that knowledge is very, very, very important. And once you operate from that perspective, from a place of knowledge, then you can speak about it. You know, you can talk about things and you can advise others because some of the things that, that happen is, you know, within the workplace, at least if you're in isolation, you're the only Muslim and maybe other Muslims in, in your work field. But if you're the only one covered and you're not advising other people upon goodness, you will become uh, begin to be influenced by others. So what you want to do is create a circle of influence. So if you are a Muslim man in your workplace and you do find another Muslim or someone that's not even Muslim, but you want to create a circle of people that understand you, understand your religion, understand your parameters and understand this is how I'm operating as a Muslim. And these are the things that are permissible for me to do and things that are not. These are the things that we can do. These are things that we cannot do. We will not be going to happy hour sharing liquor. We will not be right. operating in this way. So you set, you set the, the standard from the very beginning and you do that from a place of knowledge. So you speak about it and then you act. Once you set the climate, once you yourself know you have this knowledge, then you can work freely and you can work knowing that this money is blessed because you don't want to be the kind of person where you're making a six-figure salary, but the money is haram. Now I was there. Exactly. I was there. I get it. Mm-hmm. Into, into the belly of yourself, into the belly of your children. You want to pay zakat to the masjid. You want to give sadaqah. And you will find that there's nothing there for you on the day of judgment. You will find that you're not happy. You're not pleased. You know, mm-hmm. so this is something that's very dangerous. Like the pastor I mentioned about a man that will come, he'll be in, 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 a, in a place begging Allah, asking Allah for, for assistance, for help. And so how will Allah accept his dua when his, uh, his, his clothes are haram, his drink is haram, his food is haram? How, how does he expect Allah to answer his dua when from foot to toe, everything about him is haram because of the money that he earned? SubhanAllah. You know, so it's something that's, that's, that's imperative, imperative that before we do anything, we have a, a knowledge about what we're doing and we make sure that it's within line with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because really, the, the, the whole purpose of us being here is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is to worship Allah, is to gain nearness to Allah. That's the only reason we're even here on this, on this, in this dunya. So mm-hmm. everything filtered through the pleasure of Allah. If you can live mm-hmm. your life, you know for certain, like the father of Imam Bukhari, he said, I'm not sure about any of my actions. I don't know if, if Allah will accept anything I've ever done in my life. He said, but I know I never earned and I never spent a penny except that it was halal. I know that for certain. He said, so I'm going to go to Allah knowing that my money was in line. It was pure and it was halal. And look at through his effort, how Allah blessed his son, uh, Imam Bukhari. Look at it. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you're sending your kids to Islamic school of haram money and you're wondering why it's not not getting it. Why my son can't get the Quran? Why he's not getting the language? 
Or no. if, if, you know, they go through that entire schooling and then you look at them and nothing about them is Muslims. Nothing about them looks like Islam. Subhanallah. We, we could go all, we could have another hour conversation just on that part right there, but we'll leave it there. But very true. Um, and you know, this, your talk track right now is leading into this second part and the second part of my question. And it's, um, and this is the final question is the rep, you know, our representation at decision-making tables for corporations, us fighting for religious accommodations at work, us fighting for, you know, in the news, you see a lot of companies that are being sued because they have not hired a, a Muslim a woman who is observing hijab and you know a lot of it is they don't want you know and, and, and this is not all but some of them they don't want what may come with an employee that is muslim they may not want to accommodate you know the five prayers a day or the three that she may have to pray while she's at work or working on a project or something like that um so is this something that we, we should be fighting for. So, you know, just a little bit earlier, we were just talking about, you know, being in, you know, literally I was, I was working for a corporation where the money was, 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 was suspect. And it was suspect because there was um, interest um, possibly being, being earned or there was interest being put on a certain product that I was re- responsible for selling. And so when, it, you know, I took a, a leave of absence and when I came back, um, you know, the, I, I was really, you know, deaning hard. So I was really on my Islam and, you know, I just started looking at those dis- different aspects. And I, you know, I think a lot for that. I ended up leaving because that was a big question for me. And at that time it was just like, you know what, I can't risk it. You know, I've, I've worked for this company for a long time, but I'm not willing, you know, with my Islam, I'm not willing to risk it further and, and, and for it to be a question mark. Um, so, you know, I quit, but you know, it, you know, having these accommodations, having all of these things for us, you know, fighting for women that may, may have been either terminated because, you know, yesterday they didn't wear hijab and today they are. And now it's like, well, what are you doing? You know, now you can't represent the company. Should we be fighting for this? Absolutely. We, sh- we should. I mean, as, as American citizens, we have a right, you know, so and, and those things are a very clear cut. So whenever our rights are infringed upon, then we should definitely fight for it because what's the harm of someone, I mean, for, you know, for someone praying, for someone fasting and these things, you know, it should be understood that this is a part of my identity. This is a part of my Americanness. You have people fighting for LGBT rights, people yes. fighting for both people can use the bathroom and things of this nature. Why can't we fight to make prayer? You know, why can't we mm-hmm. fight to fast, to wear our, our, you know, the proper garment in the workplace? You know, see, these aren't things that are sort of that's going to, you know, disable us from doing our jobs correctly. No, they will enable us to be better workers, to be better citizens. So definitely we should be fighting for these things. Mashallah. So I knew that was going to be a short answer because we kind of went in on it with the question before. Um, Mm -hmm. So the name of my company is uh, BUNHD. So be yourself in high definition. Um, Mm -hmm. I ask this of every person that I invite to come on. What does it mean for Yusuf Kroma to be him in HD? Subhanallah. And this is something that I'm learning every day, which is that uh, I used to live just a bit of transparency. I used to live my life in such a way that I wanted everybody to be pleased with me. Right. Mm. And uh, this is what Dr. Sherman Jackson calls performative Islam. And this is something that we all suffer from. 
to a certain degree, and it's a degree of hypocrisy, which is mm. that everybody has two faces. You have a face that you want people to see. You present yourself in a certain way, particularly on social media. You speak a certain way. You may post hadith and ayat, but then behind closed doors, you live a, a certain sort of life. So mm. for me, for a long time in my life, the two faces, they weren't identical. I wanted everybody mm. to be pleased with me. So I would, you know, sort of put this front on a perform, you know, a performance. And mm. then uh, recent, something happened to me a few years ago, an atrocity where, you know, where, you know, I begin to see how people turned on me. Like uh, I saw a post the other day that said people would turn on you without giving, without a, a left or right signal. They would turn on you so mm. fast. With, you know? with no signal. With no <laughs> signal. So, so something happened, and then I saw people that I would, the same people that I was, you know, struggling so hard to, to you know, to, to be pleased with me, to put up a front for, these people turned on me. So I began mm-hmm. to think, subhanAllah, I found myself calling on Allah, like, yeah, Allah, please. You know, the only friend I found in the state was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah brought people into my life to defend me, to defend my honor. In mm-hmm. a way, people that I, I wouldn't have even thought of. People, some people I didn't even know. Allah, you know, brought some help. So I thought to myself, wow, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only reality. As he says uh, in Surah Al-Rahman, that everything in this world will perish. And the only thing that will remain is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now my entire mindset has changed. I live my life. To you know, so that Allah can be pleased with me. If I have a shortcoming, mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, this is my shortcoming. And then I yes. begin on you know spaces in the Quran and Sunnah. For example, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, was speaking with Omar, and he said that a person will not be uh, a true believer until they believe, until they love the Prophet ﷺ more than they love their wives, more than mm. they love their more than in love this dunya. And it's amazing. What did Omar say? He said, Ya Rasulullah, and this is his companion. Mm-hmm. He said, I love you more than I love my wife. I love you more than I love my children. I love you more than anything in this dunya. He said, but I don't love you more than I love myself. Now, can you mm-hmm. imagine if, if the Prophet was asked me or you, right? You know, do you love me more than you love yourself? Oh, yes, Rasulullah. <laughs> I love you so much. You know, you the love, you the, you the most beloved, right? We the <laughs> Right, Ooh, but he yes. felt comfortable enough to be real. Like, yeah, Rasulullah, I haven't reached that level yet. So, what the Prophet mm. said, yeah, Omar, you have some growing to do. He didn't rebuke him. Oh, you're not a mu'min. You're not a believer. You're not my companion. No, you have some growing to do. So, Omar began to think, like, Subhanallah, you know, what do I like? Where would I be without the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Where would I be without the guidance, the leadership, the teaching, the cultivation of the Prophet He said, Nah, you know, I love this man more than I love myself. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, I love you more than I love myself. And he said, Ya Umar, now you have arrived at the level of belief. So if you look at the tradition of the Prophet he accepted people as they were. You know, mm-hmm. so now me as a Muslim. You're not going to, I don't have to put myself at a level that I'm not. I'm growing, I'm loving myself, I'm appreciating myself. My shortcomings, I'm accepting those things. I'm learning from them. You know, so in this way, I'm living in high definition because I see myself with a clearer perspective. I see my faults, my shortcomings, and I love myself in spite of that. I see where I need to grow. I see the level I haven't reached yet so, so I can grow. Now I don't have to perform for people. I don't have to put on a show. I can be myself. I can be uniquely me in high definition. For those sisters mm-hmm. out there, particularly, if you are struggling with hijab, sister, you don't have to put up a front for people. 
Be you. You know, be sincere yeah. to you. And this is me. This is something I'm struggling with. Perhaps Allah will bring somebody that will help you. But if you're faking it, if you're wearing hijab and you have bad akhlaq, if you're wearing hijab and you're doing other things that, uh, you know, that don't coincide with Islam, you're going to do more harm than good. So it's better for you to be real, to be you in high mm-hmm. definition and say, listen, I'm not there yet, but I'm still making my salah. I'm not there yet, but I still have the akhlaq of a Muslim. I'm not there yet, but I'm still asking Allah to make me better, to allow me to arrive to that level. That's what I call being yourself in high definition, knowing who you are and being comfortable in your own skin and step out and say, this is me. And this is me. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for me. And when he wants me to get to the next level, I'm going to get to that next level. Alhamdulillah. And, you know, brother, alhamdulillah, to what you just said. And I appreciate you for bringing up the hijab piece and just talking directly to, you know, a sister that may be listening to this, inshallah. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, what I will tell you is that hijab is a journey. And, you know, for hijab is, is, is so a journey. And, you know, I look at, there was like this meme or something like online, maybe like two or three years ago. And the meme had like this, you know, Muslim girl, like she was was styling and profiling. Then Mm -hmm. like the next part was her, like her hijab was a little bit longer, but still styling. And then like the next picture after that was like, it was a longer hijab. And then her top was a little bit longer. And then, you know, it just kept going like that until the final one was her fully covered in in full, you know, abaya and and, and hijab. And Mm -hmm. it's a journey. And, and, and even, you know, and, and what I also want to talk about is hijab is not just specific to Muslims. It, you know, it's anyone who worships a deity. When you, when you Absolutely. translate the word hijab, it's any, anyone who worships a, a deity. It's that covering that, you mm-hmm. know, their deity provides. So you as a Muslim man, you have your, your hijab. And then hijab, like you said, is not just about what you're wearing on the outside. So it's not just about, hey, let me wrap this up, but you haven't prayed any of your prayers today. The last time that you called upon Allah was, you know, who knows when. So, you know, and I I was one of those people, you know, I struggled with hijab for a long time and I didn't feel like I was doing myself, you know, I I felt like I I would do myself a disservice and also be a hypocrite to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by putting on a hijab and fronting like I was good when that's not where I was. You know, I only put hijab back on when hijab was in my heart, when, when, you know, I, I had that connection, the Wi-Fi was going all the way up to Allah, um, you know, so, um, you know, again, you know, just to bring that point home. So Alhamdulillah, I thank you so much, Yusuf, for coming on. Um, may Allah, you know, bless your time there um, in Egypt. May he continue to bless your work, um, inshallah. And of course, you know, that everything that you are working toward, um, towards here on this side of life um, weigh heavily on the scales um, on the day of judgment, Yom al inshallah. So um, this has been another spectacular episode of Maintain Your Islamic Identity and Still Be a Boss Muslimapreneur. It is our hope here at BUNHD that after each podcast, you will be empowered to have a deeper connection in your spirituality, personal, and business relationships. As women of faith, we have a responsibility to learn our religion, apply it to our daily lives, and to make a positive contribution in our local and global community. My inspirational quote of the week comes by the way of Theodore Roosevelt, and it says, do what you can with what you have where you are.
Assalamu alaikum. Have an amazing day.